We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Hello and welcome back to the Upper Quartile Podcast. I am your host, Jim Io, and I am joined by the Athletics Indianapolis Colts beat writer, James Boyd. James, we got a lot to talk about and uh, a lot to get through. It was a wild game on Sunday with the, or Saturday, gosh. Saturday. That right, Saturday with the Colts, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, we had the Michael Pittman hit that, that resulted in a, in a season-long suspension. We got uh, unsung heroes stepping up. We got the, you know, in the running game. It's is a crazy thing. And now we still got Atlanta to talk about who's switching quarterbacks. It's it's a wild time right now for the Colts who don't want to bury the lead here, are tied for the, for the lead in the AFC South. So have a chance to win their first division championship since I think, believe 2014. Yep. So it's going to be a fun finish to the season that no one expected. Um, but yeah, take me back to Saturday. And tell me, like, you know, that game is unfolding. It looked like it was unfolding, much like the Cincinnati game had started to unfold. They're shooting themselves in the foot. They're getting down early. It's like, okay, here we go again. This team is maybe just going to, like, like kill itself out of the playoffs. And then they, they rebound and, and turn things around. Yeah, they figured it out. I tweeted out in the, beginning, in the beginning of the game, this looks like a bad football team. And they did. You know, you had Matt Gay missing a field goal. Kind of uncharacteristic for him. He's missed four kicks over the last two weeks. Something to keep an eye on for sure. They had the blocked punt. And, you know, you saw TJ Watt get in the mix. And you were just thinking, at least I was thinking, this could get ugly really fast. They fell in a 13-0 hole. And you fast forward, you know, a couple hours. And Pittsburgh never scored again. They lose 30-13. to And so I think it speaks to this team's resiliency. And I think... This may have been arguably their most impressive win. I know when they went to Baltimore and beat Baltimore on the road with Gardner Minshew in the rain and all that type of stuff, and Matt Gay had the great kick, that might be number one as far as impressive wins this season. But this is really impressive because of just how many variables and factors are working against them, not only coming into the game, obviously no Jonathan Taylor for the third straight game, but what happened during the game when you lose – you know, Zach Moss, you lose Michael Pittman Jr., both on like illegal tackles, legal hits and things like that. So, um, you know, credit to this team for figuring it out, finding a way. It sounds so cliche. You hear that next man up mentality. But it was fun, in my opinion, to kind of spotlight some guys who truly were the next men up and talking to them about it. I couldn't fit everything in the story, but we'll talk about him here. But one of the guys, Tyler Goodson, um, he was really candid about how hard it was to sort of, you know, stay ready and wait for his opportunity. And he was just saying, like, I've been a playmaker. I've been a, a, a feature guy my entire life. And then you come to the NFL and he said, it's hard to, you know, not play, to not have an opportunity, to not feel like you can do this. And so actually Drew Locke talked about this last night on Monday Night Football when he was saying, like, you know, you kind of have those moments where you think, can I still play? Can I still do this at a high level? Can I get an opportunity? And for Tyler, it was, can I get any opportunity? Because prior to Saturday's game, he had never recorded a carry in the NFL. You know, spent some time with Green Bay last season. Didn't really get a huge opportunity, obviously, because he was behind and two good backs over there. Comes here, he's behind two other pretty good backs, but... You know, 
couple of them go down. He gets the call and uh, he had a moment and it was really fun to document it. I mean, this is the same guy who won a state championship with Josh Downs in high school in Georgia. And, you know, again, you fast forward five or six years and here they are again, you know, winning on the biggest stage in the sport. And obviously not Super Bowl, not a playoff game, but it is the highest level of the sport. So um, I enjoyed that. Um, and, and I thought that that was a really cool moment. I know you got a kick out of what the offensive line did. And particularly Trey Sermon, I felt like really he embodied what that offensive line did. So maybe you can kind of talk about what you saw from another unsung hero, uh, sort of like the yin to the yang of Tyler Goodson, who is, you know, a burst of speed, turn the corner, kind of like a shifty guy to Trey Sermon, who's more of the ground and pound guy, which you saw just dominate physically with this offensive line. Yeah, it was the drive toward the end of the game that they were using with Trey Sermon. It was a 15-play, 70-yard drive that took up nine minutes of game clock. That I was that was the most impressive part of the game for me. For 13 Colts. straight runs. 13 straight runs. A lot of Trey Sermon, by the way. Goodson got in there, but it was, you know, I mean, I'm looking at it now with Sermon, 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 Sermon. Goodson, Goodson, back to Sermon. It was like, it was his his drive, and it was such an important drive I think for the Colts to put their stamp on this game and on this season, you know, we, you wrote about it recently. This Colts run game was really struggling. It was not, again, not just those two games without Jonathan Taylor, but back to week nine where they were really, really struggling, not being able to kind of get that, you know, get it going. And there was such an important part of the way they needed to operate with Gardner Minshew being a quarterback. So to do this against the Steelers who are a good defense, they have a good defense. They're up by it was 23. I'm sorry. Yeah. 23 to 27 to 13. So they're up by two scores, but, just to end the game effectively by taking that much time off the clock and just grinding it out and to have it be Trey Sermon. I mean, we should not overlook it. You're talking about these unsung heroes should not overlook the fact that they're down as back a quarterback down two of their top running backs down their top receiver at that point, down their right tackle at that point. Like this is, this is a, a team that is doing it with, like you said, the next man up mentality, Shane Steichen, I can't give that man enough credit for what he is doing with, with this team, him and Kevin Stefanski, uh, which is great because they matched up for a, a you know 39-38 like incredible game a few weeks ago. Uh, I I think that coach of the year might come down to those two, maybe maybe even Sean McVay. But just just incredible what what Shane Sykin is doing and to get the production he's getting out of a guy like Trey Sermon. I love the part in your story. Um, just just that the last time that he was at Lucas Oil Stadium, not the last time he was at it, but the last time he had a big game at Lucas Oil Stadium. You know, he was at Ohio State. I think everybody was expecting big things out of him in college. He goes to the San Francisco 49ers. I remember, you know, being part of fantasy drafts from people who were like, oh, Trey Sermon with Kyle Shanahan, this guy's going to go off. And it just never really happened for him in that way. But they are finding ways uh, to make it happen against, against good defenses too. I mean, putting up 30 points against San Francisco, I mean, Pittsburgh, I just, man, every time I think I've seen kind of the, the peak of this Colts team, they kind of do a little bit more to impress me. Now, I still don't think they're like a top three or four team in the AFC or anything like that, but man, they're feisty. They find a way. I mean, Trey Sermon took him to church, took him to church. You know, I got to do a play on words. Trey Sermon took him to church. Cause oh, I, I mean, it. Yeah. it was, okay. I mean, they were like baptizing dudes. You saw what, and, and this is not a Trey Sermon run, but when Tyler Goodson had his 31 yarder, the longest of the game for him. And you see big Q Quentin Nelson. Ooh. Peeling out, you know, out Colt, space. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and you saw the business decision by the the Pittsburgh DB. Just go down, I baby. I cannot blame you <laughs> yeah. because you got that big locomotive coming at you that fast. I mean, bad things are going to happen. Bad intentions. Uh, Quentin Nelson certainly had on that play. So 
Um, those were some of the moments where I was like, man, they're really just having their way. After the 19-yard run that Trey Sermon had during that 13 straight run, you know, uh, a play sequence, he gets up, he starts stomping his, you know, uh, feet into the ground, and it's, it is, and, and I asked Bernard Ryman about this, he was like, it's the most fun you have as an offensive line in football because you're basically imposing your will on other big grown men and they can't do anything about it. There were no secrets. There was no, uh, you know, razzle dazzle, which you can kind of expect from Shane Steichen at times to get his, you know, offense jump started. but there was no gimmicky plays this week. Um, I don't believe Zaire Franklin got in on any snaps or nothing <laughs> like that. Sure. He was pissed about um, that. Exactly. So um, <laughs> again, it was at one point, you know, we're going to run the ball. We know we're going to run the ball. You can't stop it. And it was like, you know, big brother, little brother kind of what thing. So, um, you know, look at the numbers. Trey Sermon, 17 carries, 88 yards, you know, uh, 5.2 yards per carry. I believe his career high in rushing is 89, but he hadn't had a game like that since he was with San Francisco in 2021, which was obviously um, two or three seasons ago. And then you look at Tyler Goodson, again, had never had an NFL carry prior to Saturday's game, 11 for 69 yards. 6.3 yards per carry. That to me speaks to one, those guys obviously capitalize on their opportunity, but two, your offensive line had some nice holes for you. And I was talking to Trey about it and he was like, yeah, man, like when you see holes that big, all you gotta do is just keep your head down, keep the legs turning and good things happen. That's one of those games where, and again, I don't want to take away credit from Sermon and Goodson. They, they both played very well and did what they were supposed to do, but that's one of those games where it almost doesn't matter what running back you got back there. I mean, you, we were talking before. I got a little excited with the true media numbers right after the game. They looked like they, they were fully accurate, but it initially they had reported it was you know more than four yards uh, per carry before contact for these running backs. It ended up coming down to like two and a half, which is still well above what like the the Ravens lead the league at one point nine six. So for to be at two and a half or near it uh, for a game is still incredibly impressive work by this offensive line. But then you know again, I want to get back to the thing we've been talking about for the last few weeks is. You needed this for Gar look at Gardner Minshew. You want to know why Gardner Minshew had a good game? That is why he had a good game. 18 yes. to 28, 215 yards, three touchdowns. It looks like no those are turnovers. All, all pro numbers, but it's yeah. because he's got a run game to rely on. And when a defense has to respect it, that's when Gardner Minshew can tear you up. He is good enough to beat you when they have to respect your running game. And the Colts had one, finally, for the first time in more than a month. They felt like they had a reliable running game. Not felt like, they did. I mean, going through that series, like you said, there was no secret. There was there it was third third uh third and one Trey Sermon for nine yards third and two Trey Sermon for nineteen yards third and five Trey Sermon for five yards first down I mean every time they needed it they got it and and the Steelers knew it was coming they had to finally give up on third and six and they threw a pass uh and they didn't get it so they ended up with a field goal but still I mean it was just a dominating Colts drive it's 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 honestly I think Colts fans would agree that is honestly the kind of drive you would have expected to see the Steelers due to the Colts in years past in these kinds of matchups. It's just kind of what they would do. Shane Steichen said it, you know, and I don't know how much I lean too much into this, you know, cliche, but, you know, the throw to score, run to win thing when he first got hired, and that was the epitome of that. I mean, they, they, threw, they threw it to get the points on the board, but when it came down to bleeding the clock, I mean, you take nine minutes out of the air um, in that game. And then also against a team like that, that can't go out there and score quickly. The game was effectively over at that point. It was demoralizing then, for them. Yeah. And it was just tacking on, you know, some, some, basically some, some, uh, just extra icing on the cake, basically with the last few kicks that Matt Gay had. 
Um, you're looking at a stat here from, you know, Mike Chap, the dean, and he has it 170, which is what they rushed for, is the most they rushed ever against the Steelers. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. Like they, you don't do this against the Steelers typically, especially the Colts who have. And had... that was a snap and a game losing streak against that same team. So they kind of got the monkey off their back. You know, they had they had a big win as far as the the run the running game goes. Gardner Minshew had his best game of the season easily, um, and it just felt like everything clicked. And what was most impressive about it was it was without, you know, two of your top playmakers. And I'm saying two is, is in Zach Moss and. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Zach Moss actually scored a touchdown, but he got horse collar tackled, um, you know, at the end of it and kind of came up a little weird and was grabbing at his arm. And from what I understand, he just couldn't really uh, grip the football very well um, after the game. He, that's what he was kind of, you know, telling us. But um, this is not like some official report. Like, I don't know what his status will be going forward. I don't know if he'll be out. Like, I like I, when I first heard that, I'm like, mm, it's the same thing is you know, JT, where he couldn't grip the football. Like, I don't know for sure, but obviously it must have been, um, you know, at least significant enough on Saturday, that is. I don't know about any days after that to, for him not to come back in the game and not to contribute because obviously if he could go being down that many bodies, he would have been out there. He's a really tough guy, but he comes up, Gimpy, um, not Gimpy, I guess that's more like a walking term, but he comes up grabbing his arm and he's out. And they insert Tyler Goodson and Trey Sermon and don't miss a single beat. And then you look at, you know, I guess we can get to, you know, oh, before I pivot too much, uh, DJ Montgomery, another guy, unsung hero, uh, huge day, obviously got, and we'll talk about this a little bit more a little bit later with the Michael Pittman Jr. hit. Montgomery got more opportunity because, you know, Alec goes to number one, Josh goes to number two, and DJ was basically the number three receiver on Saturday. And you talk about somebody who had a roller coaster of emotions, fourth and one, goal line. They throw it to him. He's he's open, he got the right route. He catches it, falls, rolls, ball squirts out. And in my mind, I'm like, that's why, that's perhaps why you haven't been able to stick in certain places. I gotta tell you, I didn't even. I I looked down. I saw him catch it. I looked down. I was starting to like. I thought it was a touchdown. I and then I looked back up and I saw the ball squirted out. And I was like, wait. Then I had to see the replay again. And I was like, wait, did he not catch that ball? I mean, I I was stunned, frankly. And and then and I, I'll cue you up here for him to bounce back the way he did uh, on the following drive was 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 very impressive. And also, like, I love when coaches do this. I don't know if it was intended by my Binchu or Steichen or not, but I love when they go back to the guy that that had just messed up. You know you're going to need him. You got to get the confidence back up, and they go right back to him. Yeah, I talked to him about that, and he was saying, yeah. And it wasn't just Gardner. It was everybody on the team. When he went over, when he went over to the sideline, I saw Dio Dangbo, you know, slap him on the helmet. I saw Zaire Franklin give him some dab. You know, I saw Ashton Doolin, I believe, just give him a hug. And then after, uh, DJ, you know, kind of redeems himself on the next drive, 34-yard catch to get him in the red zone. Yeah, first then, play. It was huge. Yeah. And I was like, okay, they're cooking with something here. And then the 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 few plays later, he gets the 14-yard touchdown to redeem himself all in the same half, gives the Colts a 14-13 lead that they wouldn't relinquish for the rest of the game. And he went from being, you know, the GOAT, which is like, I guess, the Billy GOAT, you know, the guy who yeah, took right. it away, to being the hero um, all in a span of a few minutes. And I – Look through my binoculars for both plays when he dropped the touchdown pass and when he caught the touchdown pass, see the reaction. And 
again, he got a lot of a ton of support when he dropped the first one. And then on the second one, it was like everybody came to kind of validate what they had already told him, which what he told me. They had told him, we believe in you. We know how hard you worked to get here. We know how, you know, he's he's uh, from apparently he's a scout team standout every almost every week in practice. And he finally got to show it, you know, on Saturday. I was going to say on Sunday, but on Saturday he got to show it. Um, and it was the first touchdown of his career. And so, you know, and the funny thing, I'll leave you all with this, is I'm talking to him about, you know, just the journey and staying ready. He was like, yeah, I was in the USFL for the Michigan Panthers. I barely played. I was doing special teams. I wasn't sure I was gonna even going to get a call. I was at home in Mississippi with my trainer, Mike Espy, and I'm just – you say even when he couldn't make it, I would go to the park by myself and just run routes on air by myself. And I'm like, wow, like that takes dedication to work towards something where you don't even know if you'll get another chance. And so he got a call, obviously, from the Colts, um, joined their practice squad, got called up last week, and they had the moments of his career. I don't know if he'll have a moment like that again. And regardless, you can never have your first touchdown again. And uh, he was telling me he was glad to secure the second one because he was like, my mom – she got on my ass for that. So it was just funny that uh <laughs> I love you that know, one. he was like he's like, Yeah, mama was was gonna be blowing my phone up for all the wrong reasons. So he was like, Hopefully, he said, I caught this one, I give it to her, and you know, she can kind of be happy. So uh, and this is a guy again, he's not some young newcomer. He's not even like Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson, who are, are sort of you know, younger guys and just kind of bounce around. He's a 27-year-old, I believe, and he's been on a few different teams, he's been in the you know, the system, he went undrafted, I believe in 2019 or something like that. So he's been around. It's just that he finally got an opportunity and uh, it worked out. And I'll kind of set you up this time. He got that opportunity because of a huge hit, illegal hit, to Michael Pittman Jr. So first, what was your reaction to the play itself, um, you know, Jim? And then also, obviously, the consequences that have come out from both sides. You know, one player is concussed and one player is suspended for the rest of the season. Yeah, um, I watch a lot of football. Um, not many times where I gasp audibly when I see something, and and that was one of the few times that Michael Pittman hit. I I thought, I thought he was going to be out, like out, out, uh, concussed and 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 knocked out. Um, really, really, really happy to see that he got up and was able to walk off. Tough dude. Um, as for the controversy, um, it's tough. I, I, you know, typically I've actually taken the sides of uh, defenders on these types of things. I think these things happen in split seconds and asking these guys to make decisions that fast and to not dive after the ball or to try to, again, not in this specific situation, maybe it's a little different, but in general, I'm talking about, it's just really hard, you know, when quarterback's about to slide and some of these quarterbacks kind of like fake the slide and then they go and, and they, these it's, it's really hard to play defense right now uh, with how touchy everything is like this stuff. And, Passes over the middle. These guys are supposed to try to dislodge the ball by making contact, and it's real hard to do it um, when you when you know you're going to get flagged 15 yards if you hit them too hard. Even if you do it with the right, you know, with your shoulder, or if you do it with your with your hands. Now, again, in this situation, KZ got what he deserved in terms of being ejected, in terms of the penalty, suspension. I could go back and forth on um, in terms of the season long suspension. I think it's 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 harsh for sure. I understand they're trying to make an example out of him and and make sure these hits get taken out of the game. And a little background there, it wasn't solely for the Michael Pittman Jr. hit. That's a fair point. That's a fair yeah, point. Yeah. So so for people who are kind of like you know, what why or why not? It was because based off what I was able to find, he had five previous 
you know, unnecessary roughness calls just this season alone. And honestly, if you go back and look, he had this really bad hit on Cam Newton, you know, when he was still playing for the Carolina Panthers where Cam Newton tried to slide. And this is when Casey was a member of the Falcons and he brushed him as he slid um, and, and it was an illegal hit then. So this is a guy who has a history of this. He's a 30-year-old. He's been in the league for a number of years. So I understand when people say, oh, you know, the NFL has changed and it's soft now or you can't play the way you used to. All that's true. And it just is what it is. And so when you look at some of the plays, you're like, well, maybe, you know, I know I saw everybody's beloved favorite player in Indianapolis, Tom Brady, saying, you know, oh, well, the quarterback has to, you know, make a better throw and the wide receiver can't just lay out like. But to be honest. That is irrelevant. The, the, the league will not let you do that anymore. And the option is. Because there's always choices. You're just not able to absolve yourself of whatever consequences come up. But you have choices. You can continue to play like that and get fined, lose money, get suspended, and not be able to play the game you love. Or you can adjust and accept the fact that whatever big hits you used to have back in the day are not going to be part of the game routinely anymore. Offensive advantage. It just is what it is. And um, I get it. I, I understand the frustration. I will even say this. I don't think that Casey led with the crown of his helmet, watching it back. He led with his shoulder. He just caught Pittman right in the, you know, in the, in the head with it. And in the, you know, uh, letter that he received from the NFL, um, you know, where they basically reprimanded him. They told him, Hey, you had a chance to adjust during the flight of the ball and you didn't. And, he got punished for it, but I'll let you continue with just how it all came to be. I mean, it was a, it was a bang, bang play, obviously, but um, just a huge egregious hit. I think it's a lot to expect a guy to adjust midair. I think it's a lot to expect to know where the other, what the other player is exactly going to do and how his yeah, body and Pitt laid out for it. He did lay out I, for it. I just, again, I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for the secondary guys in this. Cause I think it's hard. I think it's real hard. I'm going to read you what Mike Mitchell said. I know there was a lot of debate. Um, here's what he said. I don't know what to tell my safeties anymore. I guess just let him catch it. If I were a receiver, I would die for every catch. That would ensure no contact and a complete pass. Playing deep safety in today's NFL where rules are made most uh, made mostly by people who've never played it is tough. He followed it up, obviously, after getting some <laughs> blowback. I love Pittman to life. Before you guys go too crazy, I'm all for player safety and making the game safer and better for the current players. I watched my best friend get paralyzed playing this game. I was just saying it's extremely tough to play safety. I hear what Mike Mike Mitchell's saying. I think it's really, really hard to play um, secondary and safety in, in today's NFL. I think you got to be really careful. You're right, adjust or, or or get kicked out of the league. That's essentially what it is. And I I'm not I'm not saying even that that Casey he's you know he's been fined and suspended a bunch or fined a bunch of times for for hits like this. Um, so he's definitely got a, a track record. I'm not trying to defend him at all. I just saying I can sympathize with the secondary guys because I think I think the slow motion in the NFL and on TV has it's, it's just made things so much harder for officials and for, and for guys in the secondary, because when everything slows down, it looks so easy to be like, why do you do this? Why do you oh, do that? Absolutely. Like, well, it happens yeah. like this. It's yeah. so hard to change your, I mean, again, I, I, it's so hard to change your, your body direction and, and in a split second. So, yeah, I feel the same way, like watching NBA games or WNBA games. And people are like, you know, that's a travel after they slow it down, like to the millisecond. And I'm like, no one can see that in real time. I'm sorry, but it's the same way in football. But I will say this. Um, again, 
to me, this suspension, and it is, you know, without pay for the rest of the season, and they and they were very clear, like it's the three final postseason, I mean, regular season games and any potential playoff games. He is done for the year. He'll appeal it. I don't know what his odds are to win that appeal, but all of that being said, I think this was more so a strong message to the player rather than that specific play. Now, the play itself obviously didn't help his case, but I think if, say, a player um, had delivered that hit and they didn't have any sort of track record like that, would they get suspended? I'm not sure. I know yeah, I agree. Probably get it's fine, a track thing. But for him, it was, okay, you haven't learned your lesson, and we have to basically um, increase our punishment of whatever you've done. And it, it was just a – it's an unfortunate play, and I understand where Mike Mitchell is coming from. I will add, though, it's not a good look for your assistant DB coach who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is probably why he felt the way he did. But – you know, don't hit send. You can have those opinions. You can even have those opinions in the building. Just don't hit send. And the reason I say that is because you kind of made yourself part of the story, which is fair to say. And we don't talk to the assistant coaches every week. And so I say that because, you know, we'll ask Gus Bradley about that later today. Hey, what'd you think about the hit? We'll ask Jim Bob Cooter. What'd you think about the hit? Things like that, right? We talk to them every week so they can expect to have their voices heard or their opinions kind of spread. When you just jump in there and offer your own opinion on Twitter or X as they call it now, I'm like, mm, it's probably not the best time to do that. And just considering the optics of it, you work for the Colts. Man, you might want to bite the bullet on that one. And then again, I also understand the, I don't know what to tell my guys, but also maybe not the best look. Cause it's like, dude, you got to tell them something. And I guess my only pushback would be like, Hey, You've had, you know, you've worked with your safeties and things all year. None of them have had hits like that. And the and the Colts' defense has been pretty solid. I mean, they have a takeaway in 19 straight games, the long streak in the NFL right now. Um, you know, you got guys like Nick Cross getting his first interception, uh, Julian Blackman, who I believe has like four interceptions this year. Roddy Thomas has a couple interceptions. I and mean, you have guys who are making plays back there, but you know, how much is that one? headhunting hit worth it when it comes to uh, what it means to your own future. That is for DeMonte Casey and also your team's future. So, um, yeah, I mean, but if you want me to, you know, feel some sort of like, you know, somebody was wronged, I don't really feel that way about it because of, again, the track record. If, I agree. I, I can't really say, oh, this isn't what you do or this isn't your character if this is what you repeatedly do. And I know, and I know his agent reached out. I believe it was Josina Anderson and, and told her, hey, some of those fines were rescinded um, because they weren't, I guess, illegal hits or whatever. But the bottom line is the NFL obviously felt that there was a pattern there and they wanted to end that pattern. And so uh, right now, I know Pittman after the game tweeted, hey, I'm good. But um, yeah, thank God. that means uh, it, it's a good thing that he tweeted that. But it also means nothing when it comes to the like the actual protocol. Well, yeah, so yeah, think, yeah, he's got to go through the protocol. Yeah, yeah. and I'm going to say that, Jim, because I know some fans, and I would be the same way, like, oh, man, he's feeling good. He must be ready to go for next week, oh, okay. extra day, all that stuff. No, 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 It means, like, he's, you know, I would take that as I'm good. I can, like, walk out of here today. That's that's all I meant, thank God, was that guy that wasn't worse. I mean, again, a concussion is bad. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's bad. We shouldn't downplay concussions ever. But it is, thank God, it wasn't, He's you know, there's no paralysis like Mike Mitchell referenced, right? 
real quick, I'll throw, throw this in there and I'll, I'll just get your thoughts on this. I think we were, I'm not a doctor, but I do know this. It's not likened to a car crash because of how fast the guys are moving. And I say that because when you get like sort of, because you got T-bone basically, but when you don't expect the hit to come, that probably helps you because you don't tense up. Yeah, you don't every tense time, up, right. Exactly. Every yeah. doctor, you get a shot, you know, you break a bone, whatever. They always say like, well, you tensed up or whatever, and this is why, you know, your arm didn't give or your back or whatever. He didn't really see the guy. So as he's diving, there was no need to tense up. And if he tensed up, maybe it would have been worse. Not a doctor, of course, but I'm just saying like the way car crashes usually work and things like that, you know, the person who's sort of unaware and doesn't tense up and doesn't brace for impact is usually the less injured person because your body is able to kind of just like bend and, and kind of move into, you know, whatever force you're getting is being applied to you. So um, the the still pictures from that hit are tough. Don't want to see those again. But again, he got up and I thought it was very powerful when the entire team basically walked off the field with him. And I was like, that kind of shows like these guys are together. And um, you, and, and, and you do know it's a bad hit when you got guys on both sides, you know, immediately taking knees and just hoping he gets back up, which he did. It did. Yeah, it, it was awful. I just wanted to go back to two things. Uh, one was you're dead on about Mike Mitchell. Um, the sentiment, whether or not you agree with it or not, uh, just don't tweet it. I, I you express it to your family, express it to your friends, express it inside the building. Just don't tweet. And not because I think it's, again, not because I think the thought is unfair. I think the thought is fair. I just think, who is that for? What good does that do Optic, you? Because now, and, and this is how it works, okay? And and, and I'm just going to break it down. Now, Shane Steichen has to answer for what you said tomorrow. That's how it works. And Gus like we, Bradley. Exactly. And, yeah. We were not going to, we were going to ask these questions anyways, but now whatever uh, question we have has more uh credence because you said everything out loud and so again i'm not trying to punish this guy he's uh obviously very passionate about the game that he loves and, and not question his character or what it you know how invested he is in helping the colts but again optics my man like you know people always say perception isn't reality sometimes it, it is if it depends on what you say and when you say it so um not ideal but you know we'll see what happens with Pitt. the extra day does potentially help him you sure, know, if sure. he is to return this week. Um, but I will say, I believe for every Colts player this season, the only one who, who's been concussed and played the, the following week was Mo Ali Cox. Was Mo, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Drew's had one. Ron Ryman's had one. Um, you know, Ron Kelly's had two. These guys have all missed at least one game after, you know, the initial hit. So we'll see. Um, Pippen's a different guy. He doesn't have a history of concussions in his career. And I believe it might be his first one. It might be the first one of his career. I'm not exactly sure that he's had one um, in the NFL, that is. Now, I'm not some doctor, I'm not, you know, neurologist. But obviously, I know for sure this season it's his first one. So um, we'll see. But as far as other guys who, you know, could be in or out, we'll have to see. With Zach Moss, you know, uh, what's going on with his, you know, arm, hand, whatever. And the other guy, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, yes. He is. Fantasy ears be, are perking up right now. Yeah, right he's going to be uh, three weeks post-op tomorrow. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, he was uh, on the Colts WCAM after the game. 
I have not seen that man's right thumb in three weeks. So, you Yo, know, he shook I, his hand afterwards and it didn't seem yeah, to affect yeah, him. Yeah, I, I know. So, yeah. which is, and, 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 and in fairness to Jonathan Taylor, he has very strong hands. So maybe even a weak thumb, you know, is, is it going to like, you know, uh, really throw me off? Cause you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not out there toting the rock, but obviously it will be a big boost to get him back, especially if there's anything going on, on with that Zach Moss. Now you have confidence, Tyler Goodson, you have t- confidence, Trey Sermon, cause they did it. They accomplished it. And, you know, whenever you do something, you have evidence of it that gives you more confidence. But obviously, um, you want to go into a game like the one in Atlanta with a chance to really, you know, uh, put yourself in the thick of it for not only a playoff spot for before a, a, a division championship, division title. Um, you want to have somebody out there. So we'll see what JT is up to and, and what happens next with him. But um, all eyes will be on the running backs here at practice. I know they have the walkthrough tomorrow, I believe, so we're going to be able to watch that. But Thursday and Friday, I'll be out there to make sure that I'm doing some sort of attendance on the running backs and, you know, who could possibly be uh be ready to go or not ready to go. It's like you said, it's it's kind of nice that they can go into, I mean, you want your best players, but it's kind of nice going into the game with with proof. You've, you've, you've done it without Pittman. You've done it without Moss. You've done it without Jonathan Taylor. You've done it without Braden Smith. Like, they have found ways all season long uh, to win. Um, and, and I will say it's going to be a tougher test. Uh, I, the Falcons are quietly a really good defense, top 10 in scoring. They're at 19.9 points uh, per game. So pretty, pretty, pretty stiff test against this defense. I know everybody wants to talk about Arthur Smith and the offense and all those guys and Taylor Heineke. And we'll get to that in one second, but this defense is good. This is a good defense that, that does a lot of um, tricky things. They got some, they got some really smart players on that defense that are going to, try to bait guys like Gardner Minshew into making mistakes. So again, running the ball is going to be huge. But on the other side of the ball, you did your uh you did your quarterback breakdown of the who the Colts have to beat to get to the playoffs not that long ago. We had it at Desmond Ritter. It's going to be Taylor Heineke. I'm sure he falls to I, I don't know if he, does he rise up the list for you? Does he go up down? I think he was at 4, right? Was that where Desmond Ritter was? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was last 5 he was 4. You already killed Mitch. Mitch got benched, so it's Mason Rudolph now. So you're just yeah, all your quarterbacks you ranked are just getting I know, crushed. It's so. like the, but he's concussion. So, I mean, yeah. and, and and I'll say this, <laughs> I know Taylor Heineke had a pretty good game last year here at Lucas Oil, knocked them off. That's when Terry McLaurin had the great catch over uh Stefan Gilmore, but all that being said, Taylor Heineke will not have uh, an easy task on his hands, obviously being thrust back into the starting role spot, but because of the defensive front he's going to face, which is, you know, uh, having the Colts, that is, they're having a really, you know, dominant season. And with one more sack, it'll be a historic season. Um, I guess you can kind of take it away from there, but you see some of these guys, Samson, Ebukam, Quiddy Pay, Dio, who's really, you know, coming along. Hurricane Dio, as they call them. But um, I guess what are your thoughts on what this defensive front might be able to do as they continue to roll through a season where they've uh, they got Grover Stewart back and it feels like they're they're back to being complete again. Big Grove got a sack too, or half a sack, I guess. Yeah, Big for, Grove. Uh, yeah. It was a that was a big one. Um, it's impressive. I think I think ever since I covered the Colts a few years ago when they traded for DeForest Buckner, I think the thing we all thought was, hey, DeForest Buckner's great. He's going to get to the quarterback a lot, force a lot of pressure up the middle. Um, but the one thing is going to be he's going to be that force multiplier, right? He's going to he's going to allow or force offenses to pay him a lot of attention on the interior, and it's going to let the edge guys win their one on one battles. And 
we saw some of that. You know, Justin Houston had some nice a nice season. They they've had, you know, Yannick Ngakwe uh, had a nice season last year. They got to the quarterback. Um, but I think this is the first year where it really feels like they're putting it all together. And even more, you know, excitingly for the for the Colts, is that they're young guys. I mean, Abu Kam's got nine and a half. So that's obviously great. And he's 28 years old and, and we'll see what happens there. 16 quarterback hits, but obviously like you said, Hurricane Dio, eight sacks, 16 quarterback hits. He's 24 years old. Quiddy pay seven and a half sacks, incredibly on eight quarterback hits. So that's probably not repeatable, but still he's right up there. DeForest Buckner's got six sacks. Taekwon Lewis is making, I was making me laugh watching that Taekwon Lewis uh, video that they released on the Colts, the uh, Colts uh, media released. You know, he was telling Nick Cross, essentially you owe me one. And Nick Cross was like, why? He's like, well, I smacked Mitch effective while <laughs> for that pick. He may force that throw. So Taekwon Lewis, though, has been really good uh, and and so versatile. That's a good, you know, it's been Taekwon Lewis's kind of calling card when he's been healthy is that he's able to slide inside and rush, able to play outside and rush and play the run. Um, they just have a more complete defensive line than I thought they were going to have. And again, no, no, no stars outside of DeForest Buckner. No guys who are just going to like dominate win one-on-one TJ Watt style every freaking time. But they do make you account for them. They do make you, you know, you, you got to, you got to feel the pressure. They're, they're putting pressure on. It's been a, it's been a little up and down. I will say this year. Like I feel like there's times where they're really getting after yeah, quarterbacks. Yeah, that's true. And other times they're not. But hey, you can't argue with 46 sacks, which is like you said, they're one away from an Indianapolis era uh, record. Uh, I think you said I think we said it was 59 is the the ultimate franchise Colts record. So they're a little further away from that. But hey, man, they're in the conversation with Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis era Colts, so 2005 Colts. So to be doing something like that with again without true star edge rushers like Dwight Feeney and Robert Mathis were. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I'll add that Dio is taking a step forward this season. Um, He's been really good. Um, He was very dominant over there in Germany, obviously, with the three sacks. And it seems like ever since then, his confidence, his ability, um, all of it is coming together. Again, this is a guy who came to the NFL, coming off an Achilles tear, so it took some time to kind of get his feet underneath himself. But now he's playing, man. He's playing really well. He's got eight sacks this season two forced fumbles, and that's the other thing about this defense. They usually are able to find a way to either get the ball out from the quarterback, whether it's a strip sack or it's an interception. Um, They're always around the ball, and I think that, again, this kind of speaks to just how they've won, quite frankly. When you won the turnover battle, you usually win the game in the NFL, and it's been especially true for this team because they don't have that margin for error, and they really just can't beat you um, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but they can't beat you straight up. Like in a no turnover game, I don't know if they've had enough firepower to really, you know, give a, get over the top a lot of these teams. A lot of it is swinging the momentum, you know, giving yourself short field, all those things to win the game. And um, one of the quotes that I loved and I used in my story this past week, Zaire Franklin, he was like, yeah, someone asked me for the game. You know, when did I know we were good? And I looked at them like they were crazy because I always knew we were good. So we'd go out there and play the games. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, that's truly the truth of the matter. I mean, I had this team coming into the season winning five games, I believe. They're eight and six, and they're, uh, you know, giving me the middle finger, I guess, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, they're playing well. More fun and, for and, you. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it, that's why the NFL is one of the best leagues, man, because it, there's you any given Sunday, truly. And then you just never know. I mean, teams that have great seasons one year come back and don't have such great seasons. You look at Minnesota and other teams, you're like, okay, the Giants are a perfect example of that. Um, and then it, it can go the other way as well. You have a terrible season, and you, like the Colts did last year, you come back and you have a pretty good one this year. So um, 
it definitely is something to uh, keep an eye on. And they have to, you know, try to keep it rolling in Atlanta. I think that this is a game. I look The way I look at it, the only game that I think is even – not saying any is acceptable to lose because they're not losers. They don't have the mentality. But on paper, to me, the only acceptable loss left is against Houston at home where, you know, C.J. Stroud is back healthy, back from the concussion, and he balls out and they 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 get one on you. But to me, you can't lose this Atlanta Falcons team. You just lost to the Panthers um, in, in horrible fashion. And you saw the interception by Desmond Ritter, which – probably got him benched and ended his tenure there. Um, fun fact, Alec Pierce is former quarterback in college of Cincinnati. And then again, to kind of pivot from that to this, uh, you, 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 I just don't see how they can go out there and really blow this game. I mean, it's right there, man. And again, it's not just a playoff spot. It's, you know, putting more pressure on Jacksonville, quite frankly, to make sure that they handle their business. And if they don't, I mean, this is a, this is a team that again, uh, if they don't handle their business, then what does that mean for the Colts? And, and, and can they sort of capitalize or jump on those uh, fortunate breaks that they've kind of gotten now? Again, they've been unfortunate with a lot of the injury stuff, but they have gotten some breaks with some of their opponents dealing with some things. Even right now, Trevor Lawrence, I believe is in the concussion protocol. So that might be a factor if he misses the game. So um, got to go down to Atlanta handle your business. And I guess it will feel pretty good to give yourself a Christmas present of, you know, moving to nine and six and, and, and three games above 500 with, you know, two more to go. So um, we'll see, but man, uh, this team, man, every week, I will say this. I want to get your thoughts on this, Jim. Are you concerned at all about special teams? Because I am a little bit. I know we talked about all the guys who stepped up. Special teams did not. They did not look good in a lot of phases of the game, whether it was kickoff return coverage, part return coverage, and obviously Matt Gay, you know, kind of get me nervous here a little bit. Yeah, I mean that's 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 one of those things that'll hold you back is is and and it's the you know the hidden yardage thing. Frank Reich used to talk about it all the time is that they would focus a lot internally on hidden yardage. It's the you know the net punt yards, or, you know, and and the kickoff return yards, and how much better is that than just taking the you know the free yards you get if the fair catch on the kickoff and all that stuff. Those little it's those little battles, man, but it, it ends up being field position battles. If you're, if you get the ball at the 25 versus the 40 and you have to punt, okay, well you're punting and pinning them back to the 10 versus pinning them back at the 25. And that's a lot harder to mount those kind of, again, all those little things add up, they matter. And so that's going to be hugely important, but you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think the thing everyone is kind of secretly worried about and would be, I don't, I kind of think if they lost against Pittsburgh, the, the lead of your story might've been what, the heck's going on with Matt Gay? Yes, seriously. I mean, he's he missed three in a row, like wide left, and 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 it's just not it's not really clicking for him right now. Um, we asked about that. Shane said he's not worried about it, and the only reason my ears have kind of perked up a little bit is because we talked to Matt about this last week. Said it wouldn't affect him. He was inside. He was in a dome. Um, and, and I get it. The first one was I'll, I'll give him a pass to fifty six yards. Anytime you miss a 56 yarder, you can kind of forget. But like the the ones after that, I was like, okay, like, you know, this is not you. This is not who you've proven yourself to be. And so um there is a bit of frustration, I'm sure, there for him. And we'll see if he gets back on track in Atlanta with a chance to again sort of take a take take control of this this division with a chance to again and and how crazy would it be? I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you know, I'm talking about oh, where will we, you know, where will we go as a as a beat if if they make the playoffs and you know, what if we just stay at home? That would be uh, that would be quite 
impressive uh, if they were just to stay at home for, you know, and, and host for a change. So, um, you know, and he's a good host city. I will say that, you know, very yes, convenient. They do. You know, <laughs> the walkability of downtown. Learn that word from HGTV, the walkability, um, all those things. So we'll see. And uh, I guess I'll end on this note, Jim. We'll be talking to a guy today at uh, Raleigh Children's Health by the name of Anthony Richardson. And so I know anybody listening probably was like, hmm, wait, what? What's going on? He's just visiting some kids for the holidays um, because he's a nice guy. Um, I don't even think the Colts probably had to even ask him uh, more than once or at all, to be honest, to go do this because he's so free hearted. Um, you know, obviously we'll ask about why he's there, the importance of, and I think it does uplift um, a lot of these kids going through some tough times, you know, tough diseases and sicknesses to see um, sort of the, the, their, their, uh, they're a guy living their dream job, you know, uh, stop by and, and speak to him. But of course, after a few of those questions, we'll ask, how's the shoulder? You know, what you've been up to lately and all those things. Now, uh, I'm sure he's probably been prepped a lot to not really go into detail or whatever the case may be. But whatever we get, we'll make sure to, you know, bring it to the athletic, bring it to social media as well. Uh, if there's anything significant, you can expect to hear us again. Me and Jim, at least breaking down whatever was said. But again, you'll have already heard it because it will, we're going to throw it at the beginning of this podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, if there's anything big, well, uh, we'll, we'll start off there. We won't bury the lead on that one. But um, if not, obviously, we, we just want to just see how he is mentally. I caught up with him a little bit here and there in the locker room. Uh, this was a funny story. I don't know if I told you this, Jim, when I was talking to him about um, Jaden Daniels. Yeah, uh, LSU. Cool. Uh, it was right after Jaden Daniels had won the Heisman and we were in. Uh, I believe it might have been uh, t Tennessee when they knocked off Tennessee. And I was like, hmm, okay, uh, you know, what's what's going on with the – or actually, no, it wasn't. It was Cincinnati because they had lost, and I remember the locker room was so quiet. But uh, talking to um, AR, I was like, are you pretty close with Jaden Daniels because you're in the SEC and kind of grew up together? He was like, no, I don't know him that well. Like, I know him in passing, but he was like, I'm not surprised because uh, he did the same expletive to us last year. And so uh, he was uh, very high on Jaden Daniels, who um, it had a hell of a season, obviously. Like a top and, 10 pick, man. Looks yeah, like it's going to be there. Exactly. And then just declared for the draft. So um, but he posted on AR. And no, he is not coming back this season. I was going to say, you got you to gotta at least say that. Is he, I got you got to let me ask. Because like, people are talking about AR. The playoffs are coming. You got to at least say it. Just say it. No, no, you will not see him until the 2024 season in an official game for the Colts. Now, he could be back sooner than that, obviously throwing and offseason training and OTAs, all that stuff. But will he play a game again this season for the Colts? No, no. So stop asking me. You know, so I, I tweet these things out. People get a kick out of this because they're like, so you're saying there's a chance. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And they're just trolling me. But um, I appreciate you all's concern about Anthony Richardson. But no, he will not play again this season. This won't happen. There is a chance that the next time you hear from James and I, the Colts will be leading the AFC South and have a chance to play a home playoff game. There is, a, it's actually not that crazy. Tampa's a good team. Jacksonville might not have Trevor Lawrence. The Colts should beat Atlanta, though it's on the road, and Atlanta can be tough. But there is a chance that when you're listening to the Upper Quartile Podcast next week, we are talking about the AFC South division-leading Indianapolis Colts. I'm going to leave you with that. Hope that makes you a good week for you. It'll be a nice <laughs> Christmas present, and we'll talk to you soon.